Tanya and I were talking this week um, uh, from the time that our uh, boys were very little. We have shared the gospel with them, and we have uh, shared the gospel in as many different ways as we know how to do. Um, sometimes it's reminding them that John 3.16 says, God love and God gave. So if you re- believe, you will receive. Like we use that, that kind of rhyming um, uh, way to kind of reinforce the gospel. Uh, sometimes we've used ABCs, admit, believe, and call. Um, admit you're a sinner, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, believe, whosoever shall believe in the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved, according to Acts 16. And then Acts um, 2 says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So ABC admit, believe, and call, uh, John 16, or John 3, 16, uh, uh, um, and, and we, we've used um, the Jesus Storybook Bible, we've used uh, the story of God, we've used a, a number of different things, and um, I think for me, as, as each uh, of my kids one at a time have become to the point where they have said, I believe that God has, has granted me saving faith and that I truly believe. Um, the, the thing that has given me confidence is not their ability just to parrot back to me the messages that they've heard. Um, what has, has given me confidence that their faith is real is that in each instance, um, as, as they came to a point of faith, they immediately wanted to tell us and tell other people. I remember Joel, after spending hours alone with his Bible, uh, came down to talk to us and, and said, uh, hey, I believe that God has has been calling me and drawing me, and I do believe that he has saved me. And, and he pointed to two specific passages that he felt like God had used to open up his eyes and open up his heart. Um, uh, Micah came to us and said, hey, I, I, I would like to be baptized because I would like to tell my friends the thing that has happened inside of me. Um, I remember when Jason came home from winter camp and, and, um, he just had this big smile on his face and he was busted at the seam to say, Hey, I, I believe, um, that God's spirit has captured my heart. Um, I, in each of those instances, it, it, yes, they could, they could bring, tell me the message, but it was that they were so eager to share um, because something had happened. They had had an encounter with Jesus that that had marked them. Um, I think at one point or another, we've all seen people move from skepticism to belief. We've seen people, and, and sometimes it's not even faith issues, right? Um, sometimes it's moving from skepticism to, to belief and then from belief to like, ardent advocate um, happens in everyday things. Uh, when, when Tanya and I first arrived in Los Angeles, uh, it was 2005 and the price of a gallon of gas in Little Rock, Arkansas was $1.20. And so our cars were delivered right by uh, Burbank Airport and we went to fill them up for the first time and it was $5 a gallon. And I remember thinking, oh my word, I don't know how in the world we're going to make it paying $5 a gallon for gas. And and later that week, somebody said, hey, why don't you come with us? We're going to go over to this place that we love by UCLA. Um, it's the best bargain in LA. And so we arrived uh, outside of the UCLA campus 
And there's this line going around the block. And we're like, what is this? And they said, just wait, you'll see. And we walked into Diddy Reese. And Diddy Reese, they are baking cookies all day long. And they had homemade ice cream. And they take any two cookies you want and a big scoop of ice cream and slam it between. And it's just a buck. And there's no, there was no tax. I think it's a buck and a half now. But in 2005, it was like, this is the greatest deal in all of Los Angeles. And so we became Diddy Reese evangelists. And everybody that came to visit us, we took them over to Diddy Reese because it was the best deal in LA. And, and a lot of times if we wanted to meet up with another couple for a cheap date, where do we end up? We ended up at Diddy Reese. Um, I, I think similar things happen. Um, there was a guy who invited us down to, to uh, Seal Beach and, and said, hey, Eminem Surf Shop has this guarantee. You know, if you don't get up when you're first time surfing, they'll give you your money back. And, and, um, and I think, um, the, the, um, with, with like, once we started going all of a sudden, everybody's going down to see Mike and Mike and we're, we're, uh, learning how to surf. And so, uh, you know, you've probably experienced this where there's like a band or a car or a favorite vacation spot or something where, where you went from being a little bit skeptical to, man, I really love this to, I, I, have to tell everybody about this because this is the greatest thing. Um, this, this morning, we're going to be talking about a, a group of people who um, they were still pretty skeptical. And there was, in fact, an, an individual who was part of that group that was pretty skeptical. And we're going to watch his um, skepticism turn into belief and then his belief turn into um, ardent advocacy where he is is taking that to other people uh we've been we started last week in this series that you may believe and and uh we're, we're talking about the nine signs that jesus did in the gospel of john um and in each sign he meets a, a physical need or a felt need these are acts of his compassion and and he does something that is absolutely impossible and then he takes it to the next level. He he doesn't just turn water to wine. He turns it into the best wine. He doesn't just heal a boy, but he heals him from a distance. He doesn't just heal a guy who's lame, but he heals a guy who's been uh, lame his whole life. He doesn't just walk on water. He walks four miles out into the water. And in each instance, he is proving his deity. And in each instance, he is asking us to believe. John 20 says, Jesus did many signs. But these, these nine, these are written that you might believe in the name of the Son of God, and by believing, you might have life through his name. The idea of, of believing is, there's more than a hundred times that John says that the word believe in his book. He is calling us to believe. He is showing us proofs that, that God keeps his promises, and then he is calling us to believe in those promises and, and to offer us life. Jesus said, I, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly in John 10. And so uh, when we look at John, we don't just see John's call to belief. We see uh, several kind of uh, levels of unbelief, if you will, where people uh, are at different stages in their road towards belief or in their total rejection of any kind of belief. You see uh, that there's unbelief due to lack of exposure. Um, in the in the very beginning of the book, and we referenced it last week, um, uh, people whose heart was ready, they, they were ready to hear the good news. All they needed to have was to be exposed and to hear John the baptizer say, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And and Andrew and John and they, Peter, they they 
heard his words and they said, I'm going to follow him. There's unbelief due to incomplete information. Um, this this is, is not just that they needed exposure to Jesus, but there were holes in their belief that, that they needed filled in. And, and just before the passage that we're going to be in uh, this morning, there's a story about a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well, and she, um, she has some holes in her belief and she needs for Jesus to fill those things in for her. And so, um, so she can, can come to belief as well. There's, there's unbelief due to uh, bad information. Um, so like Nicodemus in, in John chapter three, um, he had some bad information and Jesus had to say to him, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved because Nicodemus was a religious ruler and all he had heard was about guilt and shame and performance. And for Jesus to say, no, God didn't send a son into the world to condemn the world. He sent a son that all might be saved. He, he needed that bad information fixed. And there's unbelief because there's people who um, they, they have a, a perceived lack of evidence. And, and so these nine signs are really um, Jesus addressing for those people who need evidence that he is, is who he says he is. Um, and, and so that's where we're going to be today is looking at, at one um, that, that uh, where the people just needed to see that Jesus could actually do the things that backed up his claims to be God. And then there was a kind of a final group, and that is they are people who uh, they have unbelief because of deliberate hard-heartedness. These are, are the self-righteous people, the people who think that they can earn a, their way uh, into, into God's um, favor on their own. And so uh, these are the people who in John chapter 8 say, Jesus must have a demon. Um, they're, they're the ones who want to stone him for his claim. They're the ones who in, in Luke say, um, uh, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph's kid? And, and, and they are trying to downplay the things that he does. And no amount of miracles are going to change their mind. And I, I, I think as we, we think about um, our journey towards faith, our journey in belief, um, there I, I know that there are people that, that they're part of our church that, that they're seeking and they're looking. And, and, and if you are one of those people, then I just it's good for you to think through where you are on this. Are you somebody who just needs to be pointed the way? Are you somebody that, that you have incomplete information or maybe bad information? Maybe you feel like you need to see God do something so that you feel like you can believe. I, I pray that you're not one of those last people that says, you know what, no matter what you say, no matter what thing I see, I'm not going to believe. I think that if if you are tracking with our body and you are hanging out with us, then God is calling you and he is drawing you. And he is, Jesus is literally in heaven praying for you and asking that God would give you his spirit so that you might know him and be reconciled to him. And so among the crowd, there's this one guy and he is a royal official who's going to beg Jesus to do a sign in uh, John chapter four verse 43. It says that this is right after he walks away from Samaria, where he had met the woman at the well. It says after two days of, of being with them, because this, this woman at the well, um, after Jesus had given her good information, um, uh, she goes into the town and she does what 
everybody does when they come to true saving faith. She begins to tell everybody and she says, come see a man who has told me everything I've ever done. And, and people flocked in and, and eventually they say, you know what, because of her original testimony, we believe, but now that we've seen and heard you for ourselves, we really believe. And so after two days of being with these people, he departed for Galilee for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. My apologies. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. I'm going to take a second. Just I uh, I forgot to hit control uh, the the uh, the record. I, my sorry about that. Um, so um, so he's he's come to Galilee and he is. Um, testifying uh, to to people, and and the Galileans welcome him. And having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, so Jesus did other signs, right? And and John twenty says Jesus did many other signs, but these signs he did that you might believe. And so there's a specific reason these nine are recorded. So he came to Galilee, and they're well ready to welcome him because of the signs that he had done. And there came, he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. So this is where we were last week, right? Jesus had gone to Cana in Galilee. He'd gone to a wedding. He had turned water into wine. And, and at Capernaum, now Capernaum is 15 miles away, there was an official whose son was ill. So Jesus is in Cana. And, and people know that he has done some signs. And, and some people in Cana know that he had turned water to wine, but more people knew that he had done signs when he is, had been in other parts of the country. And so word had spread. And a man who's 15 miles away knows that Jesus is there. He's not just part of the bystanders who's watching Jesus come through and he happens to be there. He is 15 miles away and his son is ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son because his son was at the point of death. Now you have to understand, this man, it says that that he was an official. Um, the, the Greek word is, it is Basilikos, which is where we get basilica. Um, uh, it's the idea of being a minister in a large government setting. It's um, uh, somebody who's of noble birth. It's somebody who uh, has a lot of uh, importance. It, it might be like here, the minister of education or the, the you know, whatever. It, you, it's somebody that's important, right? Uh, early church writers say that this was Menaean, who grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. Um, and, and that means that most likely, this is a guy who had, when I, I was reading Josephus' uh, 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 account of, of Menaean, and Menaean um, had this early childhood experience um, with, with Herod the Tetrarch, where um, Herod the Great was the king, and and. This, this lesser uh, Herod uh, was still just a private citizen, and it didn't look like there would be a time when he would actually be somebody who would rule. And, and uh, Menaean had come along and, and kind of slapped him in the back and said, um, I know that God is going to put you on a throne. And, and, and they had become fast friends. And so um, uh, here's this guy who 
he's got a lot to lose because he's in this high position and he has watched Herod the Great. Herod the Great's the guy who who killed all the babies who were under three years old because, because he had heard a rumor that there might be a Messiah that was born and, and he w- had no room for anyone other than him. So, so here's a guy who grew up under that. He's, he's a cl- in a close relationship, a lifelong friendship with the, the current Herod the Tetrarch. And, and he, uh, he comes to Jesus. And, and I think it's because he understood he had a lot to lose, but he also understood there was so much more to gain. And so he is, is a guy who is absolutely in touch with his desperation. He's willing to, to travel 15 miles. He comes to Jesus and, and he says, look, my, my son is at the point of death. And, and he says, and Jesus makes this comment. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And he's not just talking to this one guy. When he says, unless you, it would be like um, uh, in, in the South, there's uh, singular, y'all, and, and then there's plural, all y'all. Um, uh, he, he, he says, uh, uh, unless all of you, unless all y'all see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And, and this man says, sir, it's it's literally Lord, Lord, come down. He's he is um, in touch with his desperation, and he is is willing. He here's a guy who's an official. He could have said, "Hey, carpenter boy, um, I'm in charge. I'm an official. Do what I say. Come with me now." That's not what he does. He Lord. Come down and before my child dies. And and the 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 words that it uses, it's like he's repeatedly begging, imploring, asking, um, asking Jesus to come down. He is he is frantic because his son is is I mean, so a couple of weeks ago, Jason broke his collarbone. Um, Tanya pulls into the car, pulls the car into the driveway, um, says, hey, come take a look. I, you know, I can see that the bone is broken. And immediately we rush him off to the hospital. His life's not in danger, right? Um, we, we know he's going to heal. And yet we would do everything in our power to try to make sure that, that his pain is alleviated, that, that they do whatever they can to help him heal. Here's a guy who knows his son is on the edge of death and he is begging Jesus, please, to do something. And so um, uh, I, I, what I love about this is that, that Jesus meets him in his moment of desperation and it gives us confidence that Jesus will meet us in our moment of desperation. And Jesus said to him, go. Your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Here's a guy who he's full of fear and his faith is weak, but his faith is there. He he believes the word that Jesus said. He didn't see Jesus do it. Um, In fact, like he's, he's afraid that Jesus isn't going to be on time. You got to come before my son dies. He's afraid that Jesus has to be present. He says, please, like, come down, right? He's, he's afraid Jesus can't raise him if his son dies. He, he, you have to come before he dies. And then he has this change of heart. And when he has this change of heart, it says he believed. He believed the word that Jesus has spoken, and he went on his way. And Jesus can transform your fear into faith. How? The same way he did with this guy, by his grace. Grace is not, we often define grace as the unmerited favor of God. And it is that, but it's more than that. 
the grace is, is not just the unmerited favor of God. Grace is the unmerited favor of God extended to those who deserve the opposite, who deserve his wrath. And, and in his grace, he is merciful. And he says, your son will live. In, in his grace, he, he shows his sovereignty, that he can do it from a distance, that, that he has all authority and he is equal to any and all of our needs. His, his grace is, is clearly available. Jesus is willing and able to, to save anyone who comes to him in humility. And, and Romans 10 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. His grace gives faith and his grace grows faith. In, in this, he, he pours his grace out and says, go, your son will live. And this man, whatever, however it was that Jesus said it, he was convinced. Okay, I believe you. And he went on his way. And, and as he was going down, his servants met him. And they told him his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, 1 p.m., yesterday at 1 p.m., the fever left him he, entirely. He, he, he was healed. And this, it says this, the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he believed. They're like, wait a minute. He, you know, he already believed. It said that he believed. And he went on his way. What's happening here? It says he believed again. It's, it's saying that his faith grew, that, that he, he heard Jesus say it and he believed. His faith was weak. But in seeing Jesus actually do what he said he would do, he, he believed more. His faith grew. This is why it's so important for us to delve into Scripture, to know God's promises, to understand that every promise of God is true. That, that when you look back at Old Testament promises, then you can say, all of Abraham's blessings are mine in Christ Jesus. As, as we see God keep his promises, our faith grows. My faith grew watching Sam and JR have a baby, honestly, because we begged God and God answered that prayer. When, when we see God answer prayers, when we see God keep his promises, our faith grows. And that is all works of God's grace. And so what does he do? It says that, that he himself believed and all of his household. And, and I think that this is important because here's a guy who had gone from needing a sign to believing to now he is an ardent advocate of who Jesus is. He, he comes to believe. And all of his household. And Jesus always turns saving faith into sharing faith. Martin Luther wrote this, it is the character and nature of faith that it attracts other people, that it breaks forth and it becomes active in love. I imagine that there are, are some of Manan's household who, as soon as they heard, you know, like Jesus said at one o'clock yesterday, your son is healed, go your way. And, and we saw it at one o'clock yesterday, the fever left him and he was completely better. I imagine that there were some that immediately came to faith. And I think that there were probably some that began to see Manan's change of life. And, and over time they went, you know, this is real, that this guy is different. Um, and, and I think that, that what we understand though, is Jesus always turns saving faith into sharing faith and people, um, people, can't help but acknowledge and to tell other people that they've had an experience with God, that they have have had this encounter with Jesus. And, and I think if we want people to be persuaded, 
of the truth of Christ. If we, if, if wives want to see unbelieving husbands come to know Christ, if, if, parents want to inspire faith in their children so that they believe. If adult parent, uh, children want to see their parents come to faith, I think um, all of us must do kind of what this guy did. Medan, like he is, lives out his faith and, and, and he shows forth the faithfulness of God. God and and his and God's power to save. And so some of you maybe you're kind of in one of those stages of unbelief. And and for you you have a next step. And your next step is truly seeking. Jeremiah says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And and some of you are already seeking. And and the next step for you is to take that that take God at his word. Take that next step and and to trust. It is very popular in our culture to seek. It is very unpopular to find. It seems people call it narrow or intolerant if we say, I have found the truth. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. It is a very narrow way. Matthew chapter 7 says that that the gate is wide and the road is wide that leads to destruction. But the way that leads to life is narrow. And the one that enters the narrow gate is the one that finds life. And so if if you're on a broad path and, and you feel like taking the next step towards Jesus is intolerant or it's narrow, then, then you might already be experiencing some of the destruction that comes with being on the wide path in your job or in your relationships or in your finances. And, and Jesus is calling you to this narrow way, his way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, so um, when, when I, I think it's important to understand that it's, it's not just um, in this life that that destruction that you might experience. It's it's this life and the next. The Bible talks about in, in Matthew um, a time when, when uh, God will gather the nations like a, a shepherd gathers his flock and he will shepherd, separate out the sheep from the goats. And, and when he separates them out, it says that, that in the end, the goats will go to destruction and and the sheep the righteous will go to eternal life and and god wants you to have eternal life god is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and so the fact that you're listening means that god is calling and drawing you and he wants you to move from skepticism to belief and then he wants your belief to go the next step and some of you 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 believe but you're Saving faith has not yet become sharing faith. And God wants you to take the next step. One of the, the lies that we believe is um, we think that because faith is a personal thing, that that means it's a private thing. Um, I remember when when I was pretty small, I, I, I think I was younger than Micah. Um, so I was maybe seven or eight years old. Um, I was sitting in my grandmother's kitchen. Um, my my uh, grandfather on my dad's side uh, had a farm. And so probably my dad and my brothers were down at the barn with, with my grandfather. And for whatever reason, uh, probably because of my seasonal allergies, I was away from the hay and the animals. And I was sitting in the kitchen with my grandmother and she was pouring um, milk through cheesecloth to kind of get it all clean. And, and we were having this conversation and I I knew that she and my grandfather had um, taught Sunday school all their adult life. And so I, I said, now, Grandma, have, have you ever placed your faith in Jesus? I was just trying to figure out, like, is this, is this a normal thing that, that you know, 
every parent tries to get their kid to do and, and try to get her perspective a little bit. And I remember her saying, oh, well, that's a very personal question. And each person's relationship with God is very personal. And then that was the end of the conversation. And, and I think what I understood from what she said is because it was personal, she felt like it needed to be private and it was something that we shouldn't talk about. And, and if I had only had that conversation and if God had not brought other people into my life to be able to um, lead me to, to saving faith, I'm, I would still be lost because she had this idea that because it was personal, it had to be private. Um, I think we need to understand um, it's very personal, but it should never be private. Saving faith should always be sharing faith, and it should always become part of, of who we are and what we do. What's amazing about this, this is the, the second sign that Jesus does when he came from Galilee. Um, but what I love about this is if, if the historians are right, if this guy was Menaean and he was the, the, the friend of Herod the Tetrarch, then then. Um, his story doesn't end here. His story actually goes on, and we see it in Acts 13. Now, there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. This is kind of an amazing thing because if if this is the same guy, then this guy became a missionary to Antioch, and which isn't surprising. He would have spoken Greek fluently. Um, uh, he is either a, a, a prophet or a, a teacher. He's a pastor of some sort. Um, and he is used to select the Apostle Paul for service, to ordain Paul and send him out. And, and when we trust in God's grace, in his grace, he can do more with our faith than we could ever imagine. If, if you are unwilling to take the next step from saving faith to sharing faith, then you're not just missing out on seeing your friends and your relatives embrace the gospel, but you are, are missing out probably on something very special that God wants to do through you for his kingdom purposes. What do you think would happen if Manan had decided that he wasn't going to share his faith. He wasn't going to talk about this with his household. He, his, his children and his servants. Um, this was not going. To, he was going to make this just a personal, private matter. Um, do you think that his family would have believed? Do you think that he would have gone on to be a pastor and a missionary? Do you think that he would have been one used by God to set aside the apostle Paul to send him to be the greatest teacher, theologian, writer that the church has ever known? I, I don't think so. And I, I think in light of eternity, we have to look at Manan and go, which is more important? How many people think about or know who Herod the Tetrarch is, other than people who read their Bibles? Honestly, most people, if you talk to them, they don't know who Herod the Tetrarch is. He's a regional king from 2,000 years ago. And the fact that, that this man was an official, why would we even be talking about it, right? But instead, this man was used by God to send out the Apostle Paul and and I think if if we move from saving faith to sharing faith, there's it, it's a natural step. It's a natural thing for us to when we have had a true encounter with Jesus to want to share that with people. But I think when we take that step, God wants to take that and by His grace use that in ways that we can't even imagine. God has called all of us to know Him 
and to make him known. Just imagine what God might do with us if, if we begin to take that saving faith and share it, and it becomes part of our natural bent towards taking that to everyone. What can God do in and through us if we take his message everywhere we go? So we won't know that until we take the next step, right? There's a next step, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your journey, there's a next step for you. If you have not yet crossed the line of faith, your next step is to seek. And it is it is to accept saving faith. If, if you are a believer and you have received saving faith, your next step is to, to take that in, into sharing faith. And if you are already sharing your faith, then it's to look with expectancy to what is the amazing thing that God wants to do through my sharing for his kingdom purposes and for his gospel to go forward and for his glory. Our Father, we are deeply grateful that you have given us signs, that you have given us these nine signs in John, and these are written that we might believe in the name of the Son of God and by believing have life in his name. Lord, I pray that you will give us greater belief and greater faith that you will give us complete and total trust in the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus was born and lived a perfect life, that he died as, as, our, as our substitute, the one who took our penalty, that he was raised as our savior, the one who could overcome our sin and our death. And, and he stands as our priest interceding for us, asking you to look at, asking you to look at his work instead of our sin. And and he has given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit indwells us so that we may know him, that we may know the truth, that our eyes might be opened, that we might understand the scriptures, and that we might be your ambassadors to the world. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone listening to today that has not crossed the line of faith, that you will draw them to faith, that they will believe that Jesus is their only one way, truth, and life. Lord, for those who of us who have believed, I pray that you will give us a passion to share what it is that you have done in our hearts so that we may take it to all the world. Lord, I pray the gospel will go forward through Mercy Chapel, that we'll, we will be a group of people who are life-giving because we share the life that you have given to us. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We ask this because we believe it's according to your will. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.